Well, as we are wrapping up experiencing God, last week we kind of started the wrap up. And I mentioned about 25 minutes into my sermon that, that I still had four or five pages of notes to go. And I thought it'd be a good idea to just call a timeout and continue it this week. So this is uh, kind of part two of the message from last week where we're, we're looking at carrying the principles of, of, of this experiencing God study that we've been doing forward into everyday living through being kingdom people who live out kingdom principles. We talked about being salt of the earth people and that that's a, that's a good thing, what that might look like. Today, we look at another teaching of Jesus that shows just how important the principle of personal investment in the kingdom is because if we want to be kingdom people, it requires that we be available to serve. Now, Jesus told many parables, a large number of which spoke of the the nature of the kingdom of God. In Matthew 25, 14 through 30, and you have this passage printed in your bulletin, so you can follow along if you'd like to. We find Jesus' teaching on the parable of the bags of gold, right, or money. Sometimes it's called the parable of the talents, but the, the talent in biblical times was just a, a denomination of a lot of money. So uh, this translation just translates bags of gold, so we have a little bit better idea. But we're talking about a lot of money. So Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus said, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. He called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted, with, uh, entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant! So you knew that I harvest where I had not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. 
Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would bless our minds, bless our hearts, bless our ears to hear what you would speak to us today through the Holy Spirit. We thank you that when your word goes out, it does not return to you void. There is power in it. And Lord, we pray that that power would be the power that changes our hearts and minds so that we would look more like your kingdom people today as a result. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. How much has God given you? How much has God given you? Beyond just thinking of finances, what has God invested in you through others and through His Holy Spirit? The proper response to seeing how God has invested in us and blessed us is thankful stewardship and service. If you are a child of God, you are called to serve. Service involves time, talent, and treasure, personal investment and sacrifice, skin in the game, so to speak. Jesus wants bought-in disciples, not believers that play the game of churchianity. God can do more through a small church invested in kingdom work, through stewardship and service, than a large church whose members are motivated by what they can get from its ministries. But where do we serve? And how do we properly apply ourselves to the task of stewardship? Well, a wise individual once said, if you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it every time. If the salt of the earth message was mainly about right character, the parable of the bags of gold is about right investment and proper attitude towards service. And people, not programs or the production that modern ministry often becomes is what is important. Now this should not surprise you at this point of knowing my ministry emphasis as your, your pastor that I'm going to tell you that, that it's about relationship because God measures success in relational terms. And so should we. But to value relationships doesn't get us off the hook in terms of the practical side of how we attend to those relationships through the investment of time, talent, and treasure. You see, in this parable, Jesus teaches a very important principle. When God gives us, or our church, resources, people, or assignments to develop and use for his kingdom, he expects faithful stewardship. And those who are faithful in the small things he gives, he will then trust them with even more and greater things. Jesus sums up this principle in a simple way at the end of the parable. Whoever has, and whoever has as a result of investing in kingdom work, will be given more. The principle is this. Availability is a necessary first step, but obedience matters. When you make yourself available, you hear from God, and then you need to invest yourself. 
by obeying. God will regularly call, call his people, his church, to something that they don't feel adequate to accomplish. The blessing of greater things is released through obedience to the lesser things we're asked to do. If it were a flowchart, it would look a little bit like this, right? And it, and it would look like a flowchart that forms in a spiral, right? Starting with your availability plus God's activity, and then you're obedient to those small things, right? You're called to some small thing and you do it, right? Reach, reach out and pray with someone. Go visit a neighbor. Um, take on a ministry task that you feel called to. And that obedience leads to a small reward or success. You feel good about that. God's using you and moving through you, and that feels awesome. And that grows your confidence that, okay, I mean, me with all my faults and my failings, God can use me. Awesome. And then you make yourself available again, and God calls you, and you're obedient, and there's success. And so the whole time, you're your sphere of influence grows based on your obedience to those lesser things. And then God has said, he'll expand what you are given to do for his kingdom based on that obedience, by investing yourself. So availability is important because it's, it's the necessary first step. But then when you hear, you need to actually act in obedience. Now the point is this, we should take our roles as disciples seriously because being salt in the earth and our stewardship of, of God's resources is, is a matter that Jesus cares a great deal about. To the point where in this parable, what happens to the individual that acted out of fear and, and buried what he had been given and just handed it back and said, here, here's what you gave me. I, I was afraid. I knew you were a harsh judge, and so here you go. Now, it's an odd thing. It's an odd thing to see a people, meaning the church, okay, Big C Church. I'm not talking about us specifically, you or me, but, but just in general, the church, people that are called to die to themselves and take up their cross and follow Jesus, then argue the merits of this or that ministry initiative based on profit and loss risk assessments, as if we were Jesus Incorporated, rather than the very body of Jesus Christ, indwelt by the same Spirit that hovered over the formless void in the beginning of all time, and then came upon the church in fire and a rushing wind at Pentecost. If I'm going to risk loss, right? If, you want, if we want to talk in the terms of profit loss, if I'm going to risk loss, may I risk it on my way to the cross? If I'm going to court potential failure, may it be in an exercise of seeking and saving the lost. Amen? A church made up of disciples with that approach to ministry can change a community. Because when we invest ourselves in this way, our light shines in darkness. It's like that flashlight. 
And churches that gather together and talk about good things and talk a good game shine their light all over an already lit room. It's out in the dark where our light makes a difference. Right? That's where we stand out. That's where we differentiate ourselves. So let's conclude our look at living by kingdom principles and being kingdom people by investigating the impact of Jesus' word to us in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Kennedy read this earlier, so if you want to flip back in your bulletin, you can remind yourselves of that passage if you care to. And then this is going to tie into the other handout that you see on the tables that has the, the acronym BLESS, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Now, the Evangelical Covenant Church has um, an evangelism initiative that's called BLESS. Now, I would like us to use this as a tool through the rest of this calendar year. And this is how it works out. Each of, each of the letters of the word BLESS stands for uh, a different focus. All right, begin with prayer. That's the B. L is listen with care. E is eat together. We've already established we like to eat. Amen. All right. Brian says, yes, we like to eat. Okay? S, the first S stands for serve with love, and then the last S stands for share your story. And rather than go exhaustively into what this is all about today, uh, with those that are maybe on the, on the retreat with me, I can explain it in a little bit better depth, and we'll come back to this over the next couple of Sundays. But the idea is along the lines of what we've been doing with experiencing God. That God is at work all around us all the time. So part of our task is just to recognize where God is at work. And we can do that through purposeful prayer. And prayer specifically for individuals that we would list on this little tarot. Okay, there's two pieces right here. And this is meant to be, I think, like a bookmark that you might keep in your Bible. Um, or if you have a, a devotional book that you're reading out of and you come to every day, you could put it in there. So the one that says, I am praying for, look for that. Okay, that's the one you want to, that we want to start with. And think about it in terms of if you look at this, the part that you tore it off of, you're creating a prayer list. Says, think about the people in each of your circles of influence, your friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers who need God. Right? This little diagram can help kind of show you those concentric circles. I frankly don't care that much if they are people that would that are local, it'd be great if there were some that were local because we want to be praying specifically for people that if given the opportunity we might have 
uh, be able to come join our fellowship. But you can add people, you can add relatives on there that live at a distance. That would be fine as well. But just kind of think over this with God and, and list a couple of names that fall into those categories, three to five people that you want to pray for on a regular basis. If that's daily, fantastic. That's every other day or when you when you get together as a small group at one other time um, throughout the week, that would be fantastic. And if you're not sure what to pray for, that's where the other side of this tarot comes into place. It says, not sure what to pray? Here are some ideas. Pray for blank. Now that's where you put the person's name, right? So pray for blank to become thirsty for God. And then there's a Bible passage that you could read that reinforces that theme. Pray for blank to take genuine steps of repentance. Pray for, pray for blank to clearly experience God's love. And then pray for blank to develop deep spiritual rootedness in Christ. And if you want more ideas, there's a website that you can go to. But the idea is, you're praying specifically for people that God has put around you. And I believe that if we do this as a concerted effort together, along with all the things we've been learning through experiencing God, that we will be able to see God move powerfully in the lives of individuals that, that you, you and I know, that we come in contact with. Right? So the idea is not some abstract sinner out there that we, that wants, that we want to get saved. This is where it gets really concrete. Now, as we think about being the light of the world, can I challenge the punchline that I've heard uh, as part of most preaching on this passage right off the bat? So it might be kicking a sacred cap, especially if this passage has been preached by a favorite minister of yours in the past. And uh, he or she made this point. Well, here it is. Not all good deeds are created equal. Not all good deeds are created equal. We're to be the light, but who is it that our light is visible to? Who is it supposed to benefit? The unsaved. The unsaved, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a relational light that's, that's meant to reach outside the walls of the church. And we see that Jesus talks about that that light, we know it's relational, and he's getting at the relational because it says the light gives light to everyone in the house, right? You don't, you don't put it under a bowl. You, you put it up high so it gives light to everyone in the house, a relational aspect. And that we let our light shine before men so that they can see our good deeds and praise the Father in heaven. Relationship is always at the core of God's work in the world. We need to start with this understanding when we think about being light in the world. Because sometimes we think that being a light in the world means we just take the right positions. We hold to the truth. We, we, we post the occasional uh, pointed meme on social media. None of, none of this is what, what Jesus is talking about here. 
Jesus is talking about being relational light to people who need it, who would otherwise be stumbling around a darkened household or not able to see on darkened streets. We can't think of light in, in just a scientific and personal task-oriented way. Like if I do the right things, that means that I'm properly invested, I'm shining my light. So not, not all good deeds are created equal. Our good deeds need to be benefiting other people, and specifically those outside of the church. It is good for us to care for one another. I mean, I lifted that up during our prayer time. That was awesome that, that Phyllis could say when I called her that, that Bradley had come over and Phyllis had gone and gotten her medicine. And that, that's an encouragement. We should encourage one another. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. That's not the point of this particular parable. When we respond to God's invitation to an intimate relationship with him, he brings us into partnership with himself. And God's light invades our lives, and we are changed in profound ways. Then God himself adds us to a local body of believers. And together we're the body of Christ in our community. God joins the light that he has placed in us with, with your light and your light and your light. And we, we burn brighter together than we would on our own. And that's important. That's one of the main reasons that we gather together. And this is the image of the city on a hill. And Jesus says, but you can't miss the city on a hill when it's all lit up. You can see it from miles away. A group of Christians burning bright for God cannot be hidden. That light illuminates a path of repentance and relationship that's possible for everyone. That city on a hill nature of collective Christians shining their light means that we're ambassadors in our community. Along with every other Christian church in the area. Kennedy spoke a couple weeks ago about the need for the church to work across denominational lines. This is a visible sign that we trust God's word, that Jesus is the head of the whole church, not just our fellowship. Christ himself guides and works through our churches and us as individual members to accomplish the will of God the Father. The light that has been placed in us is evident of evidence of the Spirit's work, that same Spirit that unites us to all other believers. With, with other believers shining as that city on a hill, we naturally impact those around us. This positive impact is the next relational point of this passage. Blackaby and King, the authors of Experiencing God, say, the spirit that bonds you to other believers in the local church also bonds you to all other believers. God's people from every local body of Christ are part of God's kingdom. Christians are kingdom people, and Christ himself is the eternal king over his kingdom. This is God's truth. And in Revelations 1, Revelation 1, 6, we read that we we're made to be a kingdom together and priests to serve. We're to serve our king. A key aspect of serving him is our personal participation in his mission to reconcile the lost world to Christ. Being in relationship with Christ, having that light placed in us and being involved in his mission 
go hand in hand. Matthew 28, Jesus told his disciples and, and subsequently us, because the charge, charge has been passed out to us, to go out into the world, making disciples, baptizing them and teaching them so that they then would grow and mature and serve themselves. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus provided for our salvation through his death and resurrection. And once he returned to heaven, what was Jesus' earthly ministry? Being that light, right? Reaching out to people, he passed that on to us. Jesus is, is, is still involved on earth, right? He's, we believe that he's here with us present in our fellowship. But as far as the, the physical representation, it's us. It's you and me. And Jesus is the head of his body, the local church, guiding him to do the will of the Father. So being a part of a church is a massive privilege. We have an amazing role to play in God's mission. We are established as the body of Christ so that Christ could continue his redemptive work in the world, bringing people to that point of confessing their sin, turning to God, and inviting Christ as Lord and Savior in their lives. We are that body. And our commission is to be Christ's redemptive agents in the community. So let's take those blessed materials this week. Your assignment is to be thinking about who specifically you could be praying for between now and the end of the year. There's going to be different things that are that are coming up, different activities that we're a part of, um, joining in with the sharing the harvest. Maybe, maybe somebody that's not ready to join us for church fellowship would, would go on a Saturday for apple pressing, right? And having some cider and being part of a harvest festival sort of thing. Um, you know, Advent is not that far away. Lots of churches, lots of families look for places to, to go to church during the holidays. Thanksgiving is coming up. You know, there, there are going to be natural opportunities for us to think about inviting people to, to initial steps, maybe, in interacting with the body of Christ before coming to worship. But if you're bold and you feel like God's given you the opportunity, why not invite somebody to church? Again, I, I think though three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon is sort of an odd time to have church, what have I told you before? What are most of you doing after we're done with church here? You're gonna go home and eat, right? Or go to the restaurant and eat? So. If you've got somebody that you feel like God is, is asking you to be praying for and reaching out, the Eve in bless, we'll get to that in future weeks because we'll kind of focus on different aspects, but, but the E is for eating, eating together. That's a, that was an important part of the early church. So, so invite somebody to share a meal with you. Say, come to, you know, come to church with me and then together we'll, uh, we'll go get a bite to eat or, or come on over to the house and, and share a meal with you. So that's what the blessed materials are all about. I think it's a fitting way to kind of contrast, to wrap up experiencing God and, and get into uh, some of the passages that, that we'll visit this fall and, and later Advent to kind of lead us to.
Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to be light, to be invested, to, to take the material blessings that you've given us and invest them in your church and invest them in the community, invest them in your kingdom work, invest them in ministries like Child Evangelism Fellowship, Lord, if we just dig a hole and bury it out of fear of what might go wrong, we're missing the point that you would rather have us fail boldly seeking your will than hiding in a corner somewhere, afraid to share our life with anyone. So help us, Lord, as individuals, as we consider those that you're asking us to pray for specifically over the next three months. Help us to know who it is you, you want to put on our hearts, who it is that we could be building a relationship with and, and being your hands and feet, reaching out with love and with the message of forgiveness through repentance and salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for all these things. And God, as we transition in just a moment to a time of sharing Holy Communion, we pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive you. We remember all that you've done for us that make it possible to, to be a part of your work, to be used by you and useful to you. We pray that as we come, just as we are, that your shed blood for us, your body broken for us, doesn't leave us as we are, but changes us, renews us, fills us, and empowers us for the journey. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.